Yo, what is going on, guys? We are here with episode one of the Backcourt Boys. I am joined with some of my closest friends, Ben Boslin and Ethan Rosenblum. Guys, how are you doing? This should be fun. Let's get into it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait to talk some hoops, NBA draft, free agency. Let's get right into it. Feeling good. Episode one. We'll see how it goes. All right, so we're not going to probably dive too much into the NBA Finals because that already happened. So let's get right into the draft, guys. It was it was a pretty consistent draft. The top three was kind of locked in from the beginning, but beyond that, there was some kind of craziness. So Ben, if you wanna if you wanna dive into it right off the bat, what do you think? Yeah, at first I was a bit nervous due to Orlando's history of trying to build around like length and size with Mo Bamba and a couple other guys and Wendell Carter. And that really hasn't proven to be working out at all. Um, but I thought it was interesting they didn't work them out either, which I thought that like many executives like from reading on Twitter and such like that um, say if they don't work a guy out, they don't have really have any interest in picking him. So it seemed like the Magic were trying to play some sort of chess game to maybe try to get Jabari and maybe another pick in a trade. But I don't know. They, they just selected him, and I guess he was their guy. Um, but I do love the pick. I love uh, Bancaro. Um, I think he can do a lot. Um, and, and, we'll, and we'll see how the fit goes. I think uh, I don't love the guard play. He seems like he has that outside mid-range, deep mid-range game, which I think will progress and uh, grow to the three-point line just with, in today's NBA, which he's already shown in the summer league. Um, but he seems like he can exploit mismatches. I just don't love the Magic's creation at, at the guard play with Cole Anthony. Um, but Markel Fultz has proven that when he comes back, he's a great creator. So I think they can figure it out. He, I think he's probably the best proven player in the draft right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think he had by far like the highest floor. Maybe Holmgren and Smith might have more potential. But if you're Orlando, you already have some decent pieces. So you kind of go for that like safe pick. What do you think, Ethan? Yeah, I thought they also have R.J. Hampton too, Ben. So, I mean, he's shown some flashes. Uh, they also have Suggs. Uh, wait, R.J. Hampton's actually on the Nuggets. But, um, yeah, so they have Jalen Suggs. One thing that I thought about was weird with Bankeo was that, they, like you said, they didn't work him out. I thought there might have been some, like, insider trading going on with Woj. I, I, I'm not sure what he had going on with the betting sites, but the whole way it was everyone thought Jabari was locked in number one. And everyone thought that was an okay pick. You know, he's 6'10", he can stretch the floor, can block shots. But then you see Bancaro coming in last minute. And I always thought Bancaro in my books was the solidified number one prospect. I think he's a guy that's going to come into the NBA first season, go, you know, 17 and 7, 15 and 6, something like that. So I thought that it was a great pick. Um, I think that he's going to be a good NBA player. He's got a good floor. I don't know if he has a ceiling as high as, like we said, Jabari and Chet. But I think he's going to do well. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I like what they did also. They picked Caleb Houston in the second round, a 6'8 forward from Michigan, who was a top 10 prospect coming into college, who didn't really flourish at Michigan. But he's got a nice stroke. He's shown that he can play in summer league. So we'll see. I, I think that the Magic have been in the mud. They got to try and do something to get out of it. And Boncaro's a good start. I think he's going to be a great pro. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like the mix of, like, going kind of high floor with Van Carroll and then kind of just taking a chance in, like, the second round on Caleb Houston. That's all the second if, round is. If that, if that doesn't pan out, whatever, you got Van Carroll, he's going to be a stud. For sure. But uh, moving on, second overall pick, Ethan, I'll throw it to you as our resident Oklahoma City Thunder fan. What do you think? Is he too skinny? Is he not going to work with the NBA, or do you love him? Yeah, so I think as a resident OKC fan, obviously not going to be – an idiot and say that he's going to be perfectly fine. Um, obviously, the length is great, but it's also scary. You see the picture trending on social media of his leg. It's like a twig. It's even worse than Kevin Durant, who 
the Thunder fans know too much about. I think Chet could be really good. I really don't think, though, that he has, like, the bust potential people are saying that he's going to have. Like, the whole Twitter argument, oh, he's not going to be able to stop Embiid, he's not going to be able to stop, you know, Cat. No one, no one can stop yeah, those it's, guys, it's Giannis. Pulling to him an unreal bar, yeah. It's yeah, that's going to be a team effort. Nobody, Joel's going to get his 30 and 15 against anybody. He gets it against Gobert. Uh, but, you know, the, the pick was there for OKC, which I'm really happy it was. Because he's going to be a guy that can stretch the floor. He's seven foot, can dribble like a guard. His passing looked great last night in summer league. And he can block shots and steal the ball. Now, the weight kind of is a little concerning. If, you know, I think he's sitting around like 190, 195 right now. If we can maybe bulk him up to like 210. But you just cannot pass them on a prospect like that. Like, I was thinking about it. If they took Jabari, I would have been like, why? Like, you know what you're getting. Like, this, you, the ceiling for Jabari is not nearly as high as Chet. The, the ceiling is so high for Chet. It's a prospect that you have to take. So I was, I was pleased with the pick. He's looked good. Jump shot looks pretty good. I think, he, you know, he said he wants to be a 50-40-90 guy in the NBA. I really don't think that's, like, that out of the question um, for him. So we'll see how it goes. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, Chet's a great fit with OKC due to their lack of big man play, which I thought was one of their biggest flaws last year. They're throwing out Isaiah Roby, who, with all due respect, he stinks. And uh, they got Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who I think they're keeping a little bit. But um, yeah, overall, they needed that rim protection. Uh, they already have their backcourt figured out with Shea and Giddy and Dort. Um, and now they added their all-around center who can, as Ethan said, generate offense from the top. He's shown flashes of hitting cutters. Um, you can rebound, advance the ball with a dribble, extend the defense out to the three-point line. As you said, Ethan, the 50-40-90 comment really isn't too far off. I mean, he's hitting what he had, a walk-in dribble up around the back into a pull-up three. I mean, if you're doing that in the summer league, which is, you know, a little easier than the NBA, but showing flashes of that this early, um, you know, all signs are pointing to what he can, what he can become as a shooter. Um, and overall, his best attribute to uh, defending the rim. Um, I think it's a big thing that is in today's NBA. And I think uh, that's one thing that he can bring in immediately to help out the team and help out the defense. Um, and also a side piece. I also liked uh, Jalen Williams looks in the summer league, uh, strong athlete who can evolve into a three and D player and maybe even a little more. Um, I think he's got a little more size than Dort. Uh, I think he's still kind of got that build, that strength, um, but stocking up on those, you know, three and D guys is where the NBA is going. So I, I, uh, I like that pick as well. Yeah, I'm also kind of a check guy. Everybody says he's too skinny. But when you look at what he did this season, he averaged like 3.7 blocks per game. It clearly wasn't a problem. And it wasn't just because he played in an easy-ass conference. When he played in the NCAA tournament, he played against Jalen Duran and held Jalen Duran to three for 11 based on what I saw. So he's literally played the best prospects and done a good job. Obviously, Embiid is – it's absurd. Like, like no other rookie has ever been held, like, <laughs> immediately. As soon as they walk into the league, stop the best post player. Like – I don't know why he's so polarized. He's a little cocky, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's just one thing. I'm going to be the best player in the league. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, again, my thing I'm is doing that out. My, my number one problem is not, like, how he's going to play. It's if he plays. He's, like, one broken leg away from being Greg Oden with that build. It is so concerning. And it's not even him. It's, like, most NBA centers don't play 82 games. Most get hurt a lot when you're that tall. You're going to run into injuries. So hopefully Oklahoma City has a good injury uh, medical staff, and then hopefully it can work out. But overall, I like the pick. I yeah. think it was the pick. And moving on to Jabari Smith at third overall. Was projected to go first overall, fell a decent amount. I don't love him personally, but what do you guys think? 
I really think that he could be – his ceiling is high. I mean, he's 6'10 and can shoot. Like, that's going to play in America. That's going to play in Spain. It's going to play wherever you're playing basketball. That's going to work. I think that he had, like, no guard play at Auburn whatsoever. Um, I know they had, like, Wendell Green, some other guards. They just were not getting him the ball. Those guys just loved to run Bruce Pearl's office and just chuck. So I think he's going to, you know – Houston's guards are very interesting, too. You know, you got Josh Christopher, who's actually looked really good in summer league so far. But then you also have Kevin Porter Jr., and you never know what you're getting with him each and every night he steps on in between the lines. Um, they also picked Tari Eason, who I really liked, out of LSU. He's just an athletic specimen. Like, you could just tell when, – when you were watching LSU games, you were just like, that guy's going to be an NBA player, and he's going to be very good. They also snagged Ty Ty Washington at the end of the first round, which he was supposed to be – a lottery pick. Um, he was originally committed to Creighton. He committed, went to Kentucky all year was, you know, lottery pick. I think Knicks fans wanted him at, you know, that 11 range fell to 29. I think that's a great pick. It's a, it's a low risk, high reward when you get into that territory, but it all, the, their whole draft depends around Jabari Smith. Uh, you know, the questions are there about whether he can dribble, whether he can create for his own. We'll see, but he's 6'10", can shoot threes and, and protect the rim at an underrated Great. So we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, I, I like the fall fall to Houston for uh, Jabari Smith as well. He gives him a big with size that was needed due to the departure of Christian Wood to Dallas. Uh, he's got the smooth shot that everyone's, you know, glamoring over at 6'10". And if he develops how we how scouts predict, he's going to be a very good player that can score at all three levels. Um, him and Jalen Green are going to be a great scoring duo for the Rockets for years to come. Um, I just, yeah, that distributing point guard role, I think, is still just lacking, which I think both those two players, Green and uh, Smith, kind of need for easier shots. Mm -hmm. You know, as you said, Kevin Porter Jr. is the most, like... <laughs> they don't, they don't <laughs> have a true point guard. Yeah, he's, like, chucking his burrito bowl yeah. at, the, at the Cavs <laughs> locker room guy. Yeah, so, but overall, yeah, he just shows too much uh, inconsistency, but I guess that's where Ty Ty Washington has a, you know, potential at least role to fight for. Um but I think it also one interesting point is the front court fit with uh, Sangoon, um, who has the old man interior game centered around, you know, footwork, up fakes, all this stuff. He's crafty passer out of the mid post. So I'm interested how they utilize uh, both those two bigs because they're kind of opposites, but sometimes maybe that's what works. Yeah. If they could get a guy like Tyus Jones, even just like a true point guard that's going to, yeah. you know, run their offense, feed the guy. Like, I'm just not sold on. Kevin Porter Jr.'s ability to, you know, create for others. It's, he's Not too selfish. He wants to eat too. Yeah, he wants to yeah. eat too. <laughs> so if they could just get – I feel like they're – they got a lot of picks from that Harden trade. Uh, so that's going to be really good for them. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. I mean, they're just in like a standstill right now and trying to get out of it. Yeah, I'd say they're like maybe not definitely not this year, but like next year, maybe you package some picks for like a kind of true point guard or another stud. My yeah. thoughts on Jabari, I, I don't like him that much just because his main game is like pull up fadeaways. And in the NBA, that is not the way the NBA is trained. And that is by far the least and if that's the most inefficient shot, a 15 foot fadeaway. And he's not big enough to really attack the rim. Three-point shooting's pretty good, but I just don't see him really translating that good. I think he's going to be definitely a good, like, stretch four. I think he's definitely going to have a long career. But at third overall, I don't expect him to be, like, the all-star that you're kind of expecting at that pick. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, so we want to hop into the Kings pick. Mike, you want to start us off? 
Keegan Murray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it got, it got absolutely eviscerated on Twitter, every social media site that took Keegan and, uh, Murray, but I saw a stat that he has five 20 point games in the summer league. No other top lottery pick has two besides Benedict Matherin. He is, he, he's on like a revenge tour. Literally. He dominated <laughs> Chet Holgram. If we're going to be honest the other night. Uh, all right. Tossed him around. Yeah, like 27. Holmgren had like nine. Yeah, I, I watched last night. Um, I, I did not like the pick. And I'm going to say why well, I didn't like the pick. I didn't like the pick only because Ivy was sitting right there for them. And I think that's going to be kind of beneficial for Keegan Murray. I think people are overlooking him. He was an All-American in college. Like, yeah. We're acting like this guy just like his stock rose out of nowhere, which it and did. He was only a sophomore. Was he only a sophomore? He was a sophomore. Yeah, freshman so year, he was on the yeah, Garza. Like fourth year yeah. So freshman year, he was on the Garza team, kind of was like low-key. Garza and all of them go to the NBA, and he just played unbelievable. He was probably one of the best players. He was the best player in college basketball, in my opinion. Uh, the only concern with him is, like, he tends to maybe not show up in some games. Like, that happened in the Richmond game in the NCAA tournament. So I think, though, he's going to just be like a solid 10-year, 15-year pro. You know what you're getting out of him. It's 3 and D. He's going to be a nice piece next to Fox. That's why I don't think they took Ivy either. They're so tied up with Fox in that contract. They don't want to do that. And they got some bonus too. So we'll see what the Kings are going to try and do. They need something. They haven't been to the playoffs since, you know, we were one year old. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, he's obviously been balling early in the summer league, showing off a versatile and very mature offensive game. Um, at number four, usually teams are drafted for upside and star exactly. potential. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, as you said, the Kings executive, I think, came out. I don't know if it was the president of basketball operations or the GM, but they basically said, like, we're, our goal, our focus is to make the playoffs due to our drought that we've been having. Um, so they're, they're in win-now mode. They're, they're tied into this bonus Fox duo. And yeah. I think Keegan Murray can slide into either the, uh, you know, the three or the two or the three, um, can, shoot, can shoot the three well, play off, play off ball. Um, I think it can work out. Um, he was a sophomore, as we were saying, but he is 21 years old. So there's, you know, people are saying a little bit less of that upside growth yeah. due to his age, but I think he can move well, into the backcourt. I, I wasn't even really saying that. I was saying more so like he's the same age as Ivy. Like, like I was like, oh, oh they okay, both okay. have the same potential, like instead of like him being like a fourth year guy. But yeah. 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 But, and I also think just being beside <laughs> um, Fox, who's more of that downhill, get to the cup kind of player that's kind of what Ivy probably is going to be. So I think Murray was more of that size, you know, upright three point shooter. May fit He's going to slide right into that team better. and be well. Yeah. But they also took Jaden Hardy. Mike, I don't know if you remember him from his high school days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he opted to go right to G League night, worked out for Kaminga, worked out for Jalen Green, did not work out for Jaden Hardy. <laughs> um, he fell to 37. He had a very bad year with Ignite. Yeah. Like like we said, second round is all about just picking for upside. Yeah, if you awesome. go back and look at the second round picks from the past couple of years, it's it's appalling how many guys are just not in the NBA. Yeah, it's like so, five out of thirty like I, I, actual careers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate the pick. Um I'd be remiss not to talk about Cian Hall Cian Hall's own Jared Roden <laughs> getting a uh, getting a deal with the Kings in summer league. Hopefully he can convert that into a two way deal. You know, he's a scrapper, so we'll see what he could do there, but 
I'm gonna, I'm, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up my, my scene hall brother. Yeah, I, I, that's, I, alma, that's the alma mater love. Got to give, <laughs> give love back. But all right, so let's hop into what we, we were think. Actually, can I say one more thing on the kicks? Like, if you thought the Minnesota Timberwolves, like, when they won that playing game, like, how oh, crazy right. they were. If they, if they want to play. They shut down Sacramento. Uh, yeah, there'd be a parade the next no, day. Yeah. <laughs> They'd actually like, yeah. go crazy. But, uh, yeah, let's hop, let's hop into the next thing. Yeah, so Pistons take who everyone thought was going to be. Some people thought he was the best player in the draft. Um, Jaden Ivey, just an absurd athletic point guard that can pretty much do everything. He could defend. Um, he could shoot, catch and shoot. He can create for others. He can get to the rim actually whenever he pleases. So what do you guys think of that pick and, and how he fits next to, you know, the number one pick last year, Kate Cunningham? Ben, you can go first with this. Um, I think that he's the perfect running mate for Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, in an ideal world, I see Cade running the show. Uh, Ivy creating havoc on defense with his tenacity and athleticism. He's running the lanes as a blur in transition. Uh, and also he's shown that he can develop a little ISO off ball game, you know, shooting a three with step backs and things like that. It's obviously going to have to develop, but he's showing flashes in the summer league. Um, most people's comparisons are like Russell Westbrook and John Morant, which are obviously lofty expectations, but it's honestly hard not to see the comparisons due to just the eye popping burst and athleticism. Um, so I really like the pick. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think the fact that he's not going to a team where like he has to be the guy because I still don't think his game is like fully rounded to be like a stud point guard that you can like lead you to like playoff teams. So the fact he goes with Cade Cunningham, the guy who's like the most That's chill, good. like like cerebral player, like compared to his kind of manic state, is such a good fit. And when you look at the Pistons, like their starting lineup of Cade Cunningham, uh, Ivy, Sadiq Bay, Bagley, and now Duran. That's pretty. That's like that's like probably a top five core of like guys. That's like very good. Like yeah, yeah, it's good days. Isaiah Stewart off the bench. They're they're still you know bullish on Killian Hayes. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to throw strays at your Thunder, Ethan. But uh, I don't know. I'm really liking this Pistons core. I I think I'm. I like it too. I like it too. I mean, I'm not going to be negligent and say they're bad. Thunder are better. They have Cade Cunningham. I mean, Cade Cunningham is going to be an All Star very soon. He's yeah. very good. He, Next year, arguably, yeah. Yeah, he struggled. He struggled to start the year. He's going to be a guy that's going to go, you know, 16, 8, and 8 and just be an ultimate winner, I think. I, yeah. I love what they're doing. They, they also, you know, that Jalen Duren pick, my oh my, that, that was a master class from Troy Weaver in Detroit, I think. I mean, to pair, Stewart's an undersized center, so to get a guy like Duren who's been compared, you know, Dwight Howard Light, that can just yeah. absolutely swat shots. Uh, he's going to catch lobs from Ivy and Cunningham now. They're building something in Detroit. I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, and, and they're, like, keeping all their cap space for next summer. Like, they did the Knicks trade, which, like, didn't make a lot of sense, but it's just just getting veterans that are on one-year yeah, deals. And those I think are all next, expiring. Yeah, I think next year they're going to do, like, something big. Like, this yeah. year I expect them to be, like, 30 and 52, like, take kind of another step. Then I think they kind of, like, start going, like, we need to win now. Yeah, I thought they would go after DeAndre Ayton in a signing trade, but they don't need to now. They'd go get like a, a an uber athletic wing because you already have two uber athletic point guards and, and Ivy and Cunningham. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, although, although Sadiq Bay, you know, has done some good stuff for them. Like I think that, fifty that, at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that uh, crazy uh, Kevin Porter Jr. had a fifty point triple double. So <laughs> let's, you know, let's let's take the reins back. But uh, no, I'm joking. But uh, yeah, at that three position, that small forward position, I think is where they can really get that big name wing. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's where you spend your money because I think now that you have Dern instead of Aiton, 
I think Dern is, you know, you can you can be as good as Aiden, I think, with his physical yeah. physical ability. So and now you have him, you're not gonna have to pay him the max. So yeah. spend that money at, at the small forward. Yeah, talking on the topic of DeAndre and let's hop into the next team. Uh Indiana Pacers. So they've been linked to a DeAndre and sign and trade. We're not gonna really go into that, but let's talk about what they did at the sixth slot. They took Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. I'll start. I think this is one of the best picks in the draft. He is, I don't want to use the word, he's just like a dog. Um, just an athletic wing, can shoot, had good numbers at Arizona. I watched him play TCU. They, they had a late game in the NCAA tournament around the 32. 1 a.m., I was just sitting there like, this guy's unbelievable. He was doing whatever he wanted on that basketball court. And I love the fit next to Tyrese. There's no reason to, you know, go guard, go like shade on sharp there. So take a take a wing that can just space the floor, can defend, can do whatever he wants on a basketball court. You know, he's he's had some really good summer league games. I love that pick. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I think he's a very safe pick, and he also has like an upside. Like we've seen him dominate Pac-12. He's Pac-12 Player of the Year. So I think like at worst he's gonna give you like 15 a game, maybe yeah. could like sniff like 20, 21. I don't, I don't think he's gonna be like a superstar. But, yeah, I don't think he has, like, potential as maybe, like, a Dyson Daniels or Shaden Sharp, but his floor is so much higher. And, again, he has, like, the length at, like, 6'7 to kind of, like, guard the shooting guard position and be, like, all defensive. So, I like it a lot. And, yeah, the Pacers, they're, they're, they're entering their rebuild with Tyrese Halliburton and uh, Matherin, and hopefully next year they get, like, another top three pick. So, they also are cooking up, like, a pretty good young core. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think he's a good player. Um, you know, scouts are saying that his biggest hurdle is uh, the inability to create off the dribble. But I think that at the end of the day, if that's the one thing that you have to develop, which is kind of like most guards in the NBA, most wings in the NBA, that's not a bad spot to be learning off of, you know, getting getting the ball from uh, from Tyrese Halliburton because yeah. I think it's a great running mate to get you open spots, get you into certain areas to learn how to create. And it's obviously going to take some time to develop. But, yeah, very mature player. Um, he's got a lot of skill. He's got that dog in him, as we said. So uh, I like to pick a lot. They also took Andrew Nemhard at uh, in the I think early second round point guard from Gonzaga. I yeah. didn't love that pick. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be like a good NBA player. He kind of reminds me a little too much of Trey Jones from Duke a couple years ago. Yeah. He he could shoot, but it's just inconsistent. It's just I never watched. Like his ceiling is a backup point guard, and that's okay. Yeah. It's just I don't think he has athleticism either. Like I don't love that pick early man. second round. I love they took Kendall Brown out of Baylor, end of the second round. Like we said, that's kind of been our topic this whole podcast so far. You know, second round is all about just taking high upside guys. Kendall Brown can jump to the moon. Um, he's gonna be like a good scrappy guy to fit in that Pacers team. I love that pick, 48th overall. They also have Jalen Smith, who they got in a trade yeah. um, from a lot better, yeah. Phoenix. He he found a home, I think, in Indiana. I think he just re-signed, actually, for two years. So that's going to be a good, nice, you know, young piece for them, too. We'll see. I, I think the Pacers are going to be just okay with Halliburton. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely going to have, like, three – two or three like probably two more years of like rebuilding they're definitely going to be an on one by Anna next year but yeah oh, they, for sure. they already have a pretty good young core that they can build off of okay so now let's go to the portland trailblazers they took shade on sharp a very intriguing prospect because he went to kentucky but didn't play in a single game 
And but he was number one recruit in his high school class before he went to Kentucky. So we can only really go off his high school mixtape and kind of just some individual workouts. So guys, what do you think about that pick? Yeah, I like the pick. Um, I think it's a good situation for him in the aspect that he's going to a team with already two, you know, guards that are going to be starting and, and Anthony Simons and Dame Lillard. So there's not going to be the rush to, you know, produce right away. He's just an he's just an athlete. I mean, he's got a 49-inch vertical. I saw. I think that's the highest they've ever recorded. So you know the the, the talents there too. He, he can create for himself. I don't. I think the the one knock on him was that he couldn't really create for others. But EYBL, I heard that he did a great job doing that. So that's encouraging. We just have nothing to base, you know, his tape on. He, he hasn't played in an actual game in God knows how long. But I think it's a good pick for the Blazers. It's such a high ceiling pick. Very low floor, though, because we don't know what we're getting out of him. So it's a mystery, but we're going to find out soon enough. Yeah, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, it was an interesting pick. I, I, I think he was a, a great upside pick. Um, you know, his ceiling is very, very high. as potentially one of the best players in the draft or the best player in the draft. Um, and as Ethan said, they have their backcourt solidified already. Um, they got Josh Hart in at the three right now i believe yep um if they choose to start him so sharp community come off the bench with a newly acquired jeremy grant at the four um so i like it he doesn't have too much pressure on him um but i, I think it was interesting that they made a lot of win now moves they spent a lot of money this offseason and then they kind of drafted him as an upside pick so i don't know how exactly he fits the timeline but maybe i'm just saying this because i don't know much and we don't know much because we haven't seen him and maybe he's ready to just plug in and help them win because he's that good of a player but to right now, I, I just don't know. And now he has his injury in the summer league, so it's like – Yeah, that's – I really don't know. Yeah. That, was, that was a little scary. I saw that. Mike, you know, you're my resident high school basketball recruit. Wasn't he supposed to be, like, the num- top three pick for 2023? Yeah. Yeah, he was He was literally hands down, like, consensus. Consensus one. one, yeah. So now yeah. that's obviously Webb and Yana, but – Yeah. He's got talent. I mean, you wouldn't have him up there if he wasn't talented. Yeah. So. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I love the pick because, like, as you guys were saying, like, the Blazers are win now, but, like, I don't think they're going to win shit. So, like, yeah. the fact that they're taking a chance on this high-potential guy that maybe he'll be ready in two years to maybe win the win the next season. And, like, even if he if he does pan out, then maybe once it's time to blow out, blow it up, you can kind of build it around here, him. So, I don't think, like, if they drafted some, like, like, like low floor, high, yeah. like, 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 safe pick, like, that would have been just so soft and wouldn't have, wouldn't have moved the needle at all. So the fact that they're really shooting for the stars is something that I can kind of get behind and is kind of the right choice, in my opinion, with them. That's the, that's the thing, too. What other guy were they going to take there that was, like, going to yeah. help them win now? All those prospects in, like, that 7 to 13 range are just all projects. Um, yeah. So we'll see. There's, there's no immediate impact. No. This, this, this draft, mainly because of, like, I guess COVID, like some of the development was cut short. There was a lot. Of, it was mainly just – high potential guys there wasn't yep. like you're safe you plug him in he's gonna be like a like a malcolm a malcolm brogdon a couple of years ago well he was like a second round pick but like yeah, you know what yeah. i'm saying like a guy that you knew could yeah. come in and play i guess matherin was probably the closest to that but even he has a ton of potential yeah uh talking about projects ben you want to talk about one of the players you love outside the top 10 aj griffin and ochai abaji yeah, uh, these are my two guys out of the top 10 that I really liked. Um, you know, they took uh, Baji, or maybe I'm botching the pronouncement right there, at 14 to the uh, Cavs. Um, he's 22. He's a Kansas senior. 
He made vast improvements every single year in college with his shooting splits and his points per game. Um, he shot 41% from three this year on 57% uh, effective field goal percentage, 19-5-2 and two in his senior year. Uh, was, I'm pretty sure he was the NCAA tournament, you know, final, uh, final four MVP. Um, he just balled out, making my take look good uh, last <laughs> night. You know, That's shooting, great. shooting seven of 13, 24 points last night in the summer league. So I think this is a, a position that was lacking for Cleveland. They're trying out Chetty Osman, trying out Isaac Okoro, just no real offense, um, which I think was lacking when you got Garland running the high pick and roll. You kind of want that wing shooter to help space the floor, especially when they're running a two a two big lineup with Allen and Mobley. Three um, big sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You really need those those floor yeah, with marketing. You really need those floor spacers. So I think uh a guy who can plug in, shoot, shoot well, win now player. Um, it fits the Cavs timeline perfectly. Um, so I really like that pick. And also um, I, I, I chose shooters for my plug-in shooters. I also had AJ Griffin, um, who I liked a lot, who's 18 years old. Um, so more room for development, which I liked. Um, but once again, now that you have uh, Trey and DeJounte Murray out there in Atlanta, you want that floor spacer. They got rid of Herter and the San Antonio deal, I believe, uh, and Gallinari on free agency. So you know, they needed another guy who can space the floor and shoot, but also has that upside as an 18-year-old. So I uh, I really like both of those picks. Yeah, I like him too. I think that Abaji's going to be just a solid guy. He was money in the tournament for Kansas when they needed him the most. Um, two of the guys that I like really outside the top, even 20 for me, because my first guy that I'm going to talk about is Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. He went 20 overall to the San Antonio Spurs. He's young. I mean, he just turned 19 in May, so he had a great freshman year campaign at Ohio State. He was their best prospect by far, one of the better prospects in the Big Ten outside of Jaden Ivey. Um, he can shoot. He shot 40% from three his freshman year, can make shots. He's a project, like we said. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of him, but what a place to go in San Antonio. They, you know, drafted him, Jeremy Sochan from Baylor, uh, Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. So I think they had an incredible first round. Talking about incredible first rounds, the next guy that I'm going to talk about, Patrick Baldwin Jr. So I think one of the things that a lot of people know about him the most is that he opted to play for his father at Milwaukee University rather than go to Duke University, <laughs> which I was stunned by. Uh, you, I, love my, I love my dad. <laughs> I'm going to Duke. I'm going to Duke every day of the week. I mean, he was projected to be – he was a top 10 recruit. Went to Milwaukee, played so bad in the Horizon League, it was, like, astonishing. Yeah. So it's, it's a good pick for him and for Golden State in that he's not going to be rushed whatsoever to go in and make an impact. He's going to get to rehab his body because I know he was a little banged up in college. He's going to get to go rehab, you know, play G League two-way. And then we'll see. I, I mean, I like that pick for Golden State. I like that fit for him because he's 6'8", can shoot, can run the floor. So I'm just still astonished that he went to go play for Milwaukee over Duke. Uh, his stock would have been so high if he played at Duke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll dive into my two guys now. First off, I'm a little biased. Mark Williams, head of my Charlotte Hornets. This guy is just like – I know like the traditional center is not like ideal in the NBA, but the – but the Hornets have been lacking any center, like, point blank. Like, we've been playing freaking Plumley at the center position. So, to get a guy like Mark Williams, he's 7'2", a big boy. I think he's, like, 240, 245, and has, like, a 7'7 wingspan, which I looked it up as, like, 
he walks into the league with the top 10 wingspan. He's going to be that rim protector that we need. He's going to be that pick and roll player for LaMelo Ball. I just think he, although like I probably would have wanted Dern because he's more of like the modern, more athletic big. I think Mark Williams is definitely the safer pick. I can't see him not at least being a 12 and eight guy on like 60% shooting. Then for my second guy, I'm, I'm going a little bit off the board. Like this guy, this guy, a lot of people think that they reached on him, but it was Dalen Terry at 18. Played at Arizona. I just think he's this year's Herb Jones. He didn't have the most impressive, like, reg because he played with Matherin, so he wasn't putting up impressive offense numbers. I think he put up, like, nine, five, and four. But this guy is, like, the definition of a Swiss Army knife. He was all defensive in the Pac-12. He's 6'7 with a 7'1 wingspan. So he's going to be a defensive freak in the NBA, and he has that motor. So I don't think – I don't think for the Chicago Bulls, I don't think he's going to be there – ever going to be there – second or third option scoring but i think he's gonna be their fourth or fifth and just be an all defensive beast that's going to be great value at 18 that's a great comp in herb jones mike i i didn't even think of that that's that's really good i like that that's a good pick for the bulls because like you said they're they just need guys that are going to like get in the mud you got yeah. you already have levine and the levine's not playing defense yeah yeah levine <laughs> levine and Thoreau's are going to go out and get their 25 balls you need guys that are going to do the dirty work, can score, you know, 9, 10 here and there. But, you know, you're talking about – tips from Caruso, Carusco. Yeah. <laughs> we love we love Carusco here. Um, you were on the topic of traditional centers. Why don't we hop into some of our free agency topics to start our next segment and talk about the most traditional center in the NBA, Rudy Gobert going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> in one of the most egregious, in my opinion, trade packages that we might ever see in NBA history. Ben, do you want to you wanna start it off? Yeah, yeah. So there was a five-player, five-pick haul for Gobert, which is absolutely astronomical for someone who cannot really score in the playoffs, but um, is an analytical goat and <laughs> who Michael Barner supports. But overall, uh, I think everyone knows it was an overpay. Um, I am unsure how much I like the fit of Towns and Gobert, but I don't think it's as bad as some people are going to say. I think Towns is pick and pop. Um, when he pops to the top of the key, that three-pointer is money. Gobert's obviously going to be a rim running to the rim. So I don't think there's going to be spacing problems due to how good of a legendarily three-point shooting big man Towns is. So I don't think the fit offensively will be too bad, but I think that there's going to be defensive pitfalls. Um, I think teams like the Mavericks, the Suns, the Warriors, the Clippers have all shown in the playoffs the ability to switch onto bigs and just exploit one-on-one matchups with guys who can't switch. And now Minnesota is going to have two of those players. So I don't know exactly how it's really going to work. But um, overall, I think at its ceiling, if it's coached correctly, um, with Gobert's defensive talent and Cat's offensive talent, obviously with their best player being Anthony Edwards still growing, I think the ceiling is high. But it also could have some some really ugly rough patches, in my opinion. Yeah, I I'm definitely higher on him. I'm a Gobert guy. I think you hit the X and O's pretty well in the sense that like I think regular season, I think they're going to be a top four team in the West this regular season. They're going to dominate like the lower teams with the with that big man. In the playoffs, will it work? I'd probably still lean no right now, but I think they're going to be a a serious contender. I kind of want to dive more into the pick package. I know whatever five first round picks walker castle like all that it's a lot but i think it's not it's it can't age like a brooklyn nets both times they traded every single pick in the sense that like as long as anthony edwards is on that team he's 21 years old as long as they can keep him they will never be like 
a bottom five, bottom eight team. So I think like people see the picks, but Carl Anthony Towns is what, like 26. Anthony Edwards is still 21. Delo's like 25, 26. Like as long as they can keep this core, unlike a Brooklyn where they're all 33 or whatever and just decided to peace out, I don't think that these picks will be nearly as bad as people think. So I think from a trade value, it's a ton. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's as bad as people think. What do you think? That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I just – I don't see, like, the reward for Minnesota. And I think that Cat at the four will be just fine. Ben, you kind of alluded to it. He is a legendary three-point shooter for a big man. I mean, he is a very underrated – for some, some reason, he's underrated at three-point shooting. Um, he gets the slack just because, you know, the stuff he does outside of basketball. But I just cannot believe that they gave up, you know, four rotation pieces for him. Like, some of their nucleus that they had from that playing, you know, team, you know, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, and they even gave up Walker Kessler, who they just drafted at 22, for Gobert. It's like, I, I just don't see a team of, like, Ant, Gobert, Towns, making it past the second round. I really don't, especially in the playoffs. I mean, is still pretty decent. Yeah, but they were even talking about possibly shipping him. And now they're going to keep him. I just – I don't know. I don't, I don't see, like, the ceiling. Like, there's, I'm not putting those, that team over, you know, the Mavericks right now. I'm not putting that team over the Clippers. I'm not putting that team over the Suns, granted, on what they do. It's just – I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But they also still have our guy, Nas Reed. Shout out, you know, yep. Jersey legend. Shout out Asbury Park. Glad to see he's still there backing up. Now go bear. So I don't know. I, I'm the, the trade hall is just great, I thought, for Utah because they're in a rebuilding stage. They got off that go bear contract and we'll see what they do with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, if they can get first five first round picks for Rudy Gobert, Donovan yeah. should be well, like seven. <laughs> I, that honestly, I think, kind of made the teams kind of relent on what they're going to offer for Durant if they were to. Yeah. Seeing how much Ru- – if, if Rudy's going for that, Durant should go for God knows what. So I think that that kind of – you know, we see it now. It's eased down the trade market for Durant. We'll see if that picks back up. But just an egregious haul for Utah. I'm, I'm kind of happy for them. We'll see what they do with Mitchell. But talk about another haul. How about the San Antonio Spurs trading DeJounte Murray to Atlanta? Mike, do you want to talk about that fit with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young in the backcourt? Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Instead of, like, Trey Young having, like, Kevin Herter as his freaking two guard that really can't create shit off the dribble, it really is going to help Trey Young in terms of, like, conserving his energy and having an off-ball guard to go to. DeJounte Murray is probably, like, the most underrated player in the NBA because, like, San Antonio was underrated. This guy put up 21-9-9, basically, like, a triple-double. All NBA every- defense, too. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he's he is a stud. I think people are underrating this move. I I think Atlanta is a contender in the East now, easily. When you look at that, maybe not because this, I think like I'd still have like the Celtics and probably the Bucks ahead of them, but Six. like they're gonna be you got the Sixers too. No, I don't think I would. Wow, I don't think right. I would. But we can talk about that. Uh, yeah, but uh, like like they're so deep now, so. They're just so scary, in my opinion, because of this DeJounte Murray. Like, they were really just missing that two-guard. So, going forward, and only three first-round picks. Again, as long as they have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, they're going to be a good team. So, I don't. I really think they got a fantastic deal for DeJounte Murray. And if you're the Spurs, you kind of had to do it because what's the point of paying him, like, a super max to just be, like, a maybe make the play-in? So, that's my yeah. thoughts. 
Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with your whole take on on how he's going to fit with Atlanta. You know, you can lower Trey's usage a little bit, conserve some energy. Um, and obviously, like it showed in the Miami series really badly this year, that just having a one-man offense versus a good defense, you know, unless you're Luka Doncic, maybe it's just, it's just not going to work. But, um, well, yeah, it also hides Trey's uh, and, and just their overall backcourt defensive lapses with him averaging, you know, two steals, two-plus steals per game, I believe, all defensive player. Um, so I really like the fit for Atlanta overall. I think it's going to make him very good. Um, as you sh- as you said from the Spurs point of view, Mike, you know I I do think it would be stupid for them to pay him a ton of money when it doesn't really fit their timeline. They've now committed to a full tank, which they haven't done in probably over two decades. So I think it's a big turning point. They're probably Popovich is probably going to retire in, in one two years, which can be sad to see, but. You know, he's only 25 years old. He was still improving. I guess they didn't want to give him the money because it's not in their timeline, as I said. But I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I thought they were kind of just giving up on a player who's who's a one-time all-star and has only proven to just keep on getting better. I thought it was kind of classy by San Antonio, to be honest. He doesn't fit their timeline. They've said that. So, you know, they sent him to a situation where he's going to be contending with Trey. I'm kind of opposite of you guys. I don't know if I like that fit at all. I like DeJounte Murray as a player. I think that he's so underrated. He's one of my favorite point guards just because he can do so much. But I feel like Trey needs the ball in his hands a little too much, and I'm not sure if DeJounte can play off ball. I, I just yeah. don't know how that really fits. Like, Trey Young is going to be great no matter what. But when I think of Trey Young, I think of him, you know, kind of a little Curry-esque. He's, he's working off those screens. He's – He's dribbling. He's doing that little head fake. He's going into the lane, using his floater. It's just like, what's DeJounte going to be doing while he's creating all that? He can't really spot up and shoot, so he's going to be slashing, I guess. I, I like the player. It's, it's, a, it's a move for the Hawks that I really like, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, time's going to tell whether it's a good fit or not. But next team that we're going to hop into, another point guard on the move, Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics. Ben, you want to start us off about this? Because I know you really liked what the Celtics did. Yeah, I love the moves. I, I, the more I watched the uh, – I had a roommate who was a, a big Celtics fan, actually two technically, but um, last, last year. Um, and so I was watching a lot of Celtics ball, um, really their transition as everyone raved over from the first to second half of the season into the playoffs was, was great. They had a great defense, which only got, gets better with adding Brogdon. Um, I absolutely love what they did. Um, so they also signed Gallinari, who addressed their weaknesses of not being able to have wing depth off the bench, leaving Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing 40-plus minutes, you know, every single night, which just led them to run out of gas in the finals, which made them, you know, lackadaisical with turnovers, getting the ball stripped from just too many isolations. Um, I think Derek White was uh, their guy who was supposed to kind of come in and kind of – him and Grant Williams were supposed to come in and, you know, allow them to – unlock more of a small ball instead of the Horford, uh, Rob Williams, big man duo. But I think this Brogdon deal really just makes them way more versatile. They have a a very good and and efficient um, point guard now who doesn't turn the ball over. I thought Marcus Smart, although he's got that dog and and got him that far, they really needed someone who doesn't really turn the ball over, who understands how to slow the pace, not flop for a foul when you really just need a good possession and it ends up leading to a turnover that doesn't get called in the finals. Stuff like that, I, I think, were kind of just bonehead plays that a, a player like Brogdon won't make. Um, and they also needed a little bit of just scoring off the bench. 
White, you know, ha- had some big games, specifically in the Milwaukee series um, and the Brooklyn series where he was shooting the ball well, but it kind of fizzled out in the last two series. And I think Gallinari is a player that can give you 10 points, 12 points, you know, shoot the ball well, stretch the floor, which I don't think they really had. Especially because Grant Williams can't shoot the ball into the ocean anywhere outside of the corner. So um, I, I overall just just loved everything they did. Yeah, I, I, I the Brogdon thing. The really the thing that really sealed it for me that Marcus Smart cannot be the point guard is I think it was Game Seven against Miami when when he like chucked at the end like he was, he was just, just chucking, chucking three after three. Yeah, like like not slowing it down, not getting yeah. high. He was just chucking like. He, he's fantastic. Like, don't get me wrong. He's probably a top 40 player in the league, the way he plays defense and the way he, he – he's a really good shooter. But, like, they need someone to just have that pace of play. And, like, yeah, I, I think he's just going to be a great fit. As for Gallinari, I don't think it's, like, as massive. I think his best days are kind of behind him. But it's, it's definitely a good seventh, eighth man to have. But, yeah, Brogdon's the real – and to only give up a first-round pick, which for Boston is going to be, like, 27th overall, Yo. that's – I don't know how nothing. anybody wasn't lining up to pay more. I genuinely don't. I, I don't like the return for the Pacers. I understand why they did it. There's no need for Malcolm Brogdon on that team with Halliburton running the show. I just think that it's crazy. They went to the finals and they got better. I feel like that's very rare. They got like – they run a final five lineup of – this is if they want, but they have a solid, you know, six or seven of Tatum, Brown, Smart, Brogdon, Time Lord, Al Horford. I mean, yeah, you, that's that's really – they could run any lineup they want. They could go small. They can go big. I just – I love the move. Gallo, yeah, he's he's a Thunder legend for me, so I respect him in that aspect. <laughs> he's going to, you know, like you said, Benny, if they could get 10 points out of him a game or two, you know, in a playoff series off the bench, I think that's really good. I just – I I love that move. Malcolm Brogdon is super underrated. Yeah, Marcus Smart. As someone who was a, who's a Thunder fan and watched Russell Westbrook for, you know, X amount of years, we had this saying, live by Westbrook, die by Westbrook. You live by smart, you die by smart. He's going to make some bonehead decisions when he, when he's not playing good. But when he is playing good, you love him. So, yeah. Yeah. I like the move for the Celtics a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just kind of a final point, I think the Celtics, uh, their kind of identity was their defense. You know, they obviously had their two main scorers. Um, who, who kind of run the show. They're, they're all stars in, in Tatum and Brown, but their, their identity was defense. You know, their starting point guard was the uh, Marcus Morris, defensive player of the year, but it's underrated that Brogdon is, is a very high level defender. So not only is he just like helped them out in that point guard aspect, he fits right into their, to their true basic identity of what they've been building on of, of having one of the best defenses in the NBA. Yeah. So let's run over the Knicks free agency real quick. Um, Obviously, the big move, Jalen Brunson. Four years, around $26, $25 million a year. It was – everyone knew it was going to happen. I mean, they signed his dad as an assistant coach. So, I mean, everyone knew that something sketchy was going on. Didn't they already get in trouble for tampering? I think they're – They probably did. I don't think they really – I don't even think – West don't care. Yeah, (laughs) they don't care. But the Brunson deal, he deserved it. I'm I'm not going to – Jalen Brunson deserved that contract. He played really good in the playoffs. He's a good player. It's just like th- that doesn't move the needle. I guess it's a it's a free agent point guard for the Knicks that's going to you know run their offense, provide some scoring. We'll see. I mean, they also signed Jericho Sims to a three year deal who can just absolutely springboard. Um, I'm not sure if like that that does anything. It's a good backup center. They also signed Isaiah Hartenstein, backup center. It's just like 
Mitch Robb was a cool resign. They just loved signing their centers. They signed all all three centers. Mitch Robb got a nice deal, which I actually really like Mitch Robb. I think he's a good center in today's NBA that can, you know, catch lobs and block shots and just protect that paint. Um, what do you guys think about the Knicks offseason so far? Yeah, Brunson, like, I, it got up a lot of backlash. And at first I was kind of, like, shocked. But then when you look at, like, av- like point guards, the top paid point guards in the NBA, it's, like, the 15th or 16th, like, biggest deal, which, like, is probably about where he lands in terms of, like, NBA point guards. Like, it's not ideal. Again, it doesn't push the needle. The Knicks are kind of stuck in, like, a no-man's land with a core of Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett. That's I don't think that's, like, playing worthy. So I think the Knicks are kind of stuck in a place of irrelevance. So that kind of sucks. But I thought they did pretty good. Mitchell Robinson is a very underrated center. He's very efficient. But uh, so, yeah, I, I it's okay. But, again, compared to what we thought the Knicks were going to be, like Zion, KD, Kyrie, like it's – it's been it's been bad for them. It's been pretty bad for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, once again, as everyone's saying, he's not really going to completely move the needle. But I'm just going to think about it stylistically. When you watch the Knicks play basketball, it's just ugly. You know, you got Randall getting it in the mid in the mid post every single possession. He can't even command a double team this year because he shot it like 10 percent from the field, but he just bricked everything. But as a whole, stylistically, they, it was just stagnant offense with a bunch of old guys who can't really shoot uh, based off of Randall trying to create everything. I think with Brunson, they have him as their number one creator. He operates out of the pick and roll. He could space the floor a little more. Um, they could utilize their, their, lob, their lob bigs like Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims a little, a little better uh, with, that, with that floor spacing. So I think just stylistically, they'll be a probably more fun team to watch with a more spaced offense. But does that, once again, mean that they're, like, vastly better or going to do anything? Probably not. But I think for Knicks fans, this is definitely the best point guard they've had uh, on their roster in, in, a decade. Bunch, in a bunch of years now. So, yeah. why? I, I think it's a win. I think it's a win. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the Bulls? I mean, they made some really underrated signings. You know, they got Drogic. They got Drummond. They, they kind of solidified that bench, you know, so they're not running out of Tony Bradley. Um I mean, they, yeah, the Bulls, I, I, they're competitive. It's good to see. I'm happy the Bulls yeah. are competitive. It's good for the NBA. It's good for uh, Zach Levine. It's good for DeMar DeRozan. But Lonzo Ball needs to get healthy first and foremost, and then I'll actually know what we got out of Chicago. Anyone want to comment on that? Yeah, no, I, mean, I think they have a pretty good core. Yeah, just got to stay healthy. The problem is, like, I think Vucevic, Levine, DeMar are probably, like, top 25 to 30 players in the league which like to have three of those is very good, but they don't have any top 20 yeah. players. Like they don't have any stars. So when it comes time in the playoffs, you see what it happens. doesn't work out. Like, like they will be a four or five seed this year, probably, but at they'll the end the, of the day, they'll, they'll have the pleasure of getting swept by the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Against, literally. So. Like, like, like I, I like their core. They're a fun team to watch, but until they go for like a super, superstar, they're not, they're not winning shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, DeRozan had his, one of his final, like, if you could have called like outburst of a prime this late in his career, we haven't really seen that from from a player, you know, at that age too often. Kind of a renaissance, honestly. But I, I don't know how much you can, you know, bank on that coming for the next couple of years. Um, but I do think they add some scoring. Drag is a good score. I thought Drummond was honestly a good interior signing for like two years, six million. I thought Vucevic has some some shortfalls. 
uh, especially when they're trying to run into the Bucks, where they just have no one to guard Giannis. They needed some size. They needed some bulk, which I think Drummond adds. Um, I also just don't – like, you have to pay Zach Levine. You have to pay him the Supermax, I guess, because that's just where, you know, today's NBA is going. But I just don't love, as you guys said, paying guys Supermax money um, who are not playoff proven, have not proven to win the playoffs. So don't love it, but I guess it's just the core that they're sticking with. On the topic of somebody that did get his Supermax, one of the biggest contracts we've seen so far in NBA history, Nikola Jokic. Um, he deserved it. I mean, he's a two-time MVP. Yeah. Uh, just an absurd player. Spy one that we'll never see again in the NBA. They also got KCP in a trade for uh, Will Barton and Monte Morris. I thought that was kind of an underrated move just because they don't really – Monte Morris is a nice little player, but – they have Bones Highland, so that's going to be their backup point guard for the future. Uh, they also got Bruce Brown on a very low-key deal from the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, he, he, Jokic is going to love him because he's just going to do the dirty work and he's going to be cut into the basket when Jokic is in that high post, pulling the ball over his head, finding him cutting. So, they, like we said, they need to get healthy. They need Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray to be healthy, and then I think they can make some real noise if those guys come back proven like they were. Yeah, I've I've been on the Nuggets train for a while. If if they are healthy, I think they're the second best team in the West behind probably Golden State. Just because Jokic literally dragged that team to like the sixth seed. And I don't I'm I don't think Murray did Murray play? Murray didn't play, play all year. MPJ played like twenty games or something. So like and like Murray went healthy is like top twenty five to thirty. MPJ, we haven't really seen him healthy, but like I think he can be twenty one and eight. So, like, they're, they're literally missing an all-star level player and another very solid young player. So, if they can stay healthy, I like them a lot going forward. Yeah, yeah. I think he deserved all that money, as we said. Um, one of the best players in, in the game, for sure. Um, yeah, I think the Barton-Morris trade was interesting for me. I thought, like, I don't know. I thought Barton was a big, was a big player for their, for their culture. Uh, they love him over there in Denver, and Monte Morris is a good backup point guard. Um, but yeah, Bones Allen will fill that role. I just thought Barton could do do a little more than who they got in return. Like KCP just kind of more of a spot up shooter and a three and D guy. So he upgrades their defense, but I thought Barton's a little more uh, versatile on offense. But I guess they know that their their two guys are coming back healthy and Jamal Murray, uh, who's going to be the other creator uh, alongside Jokic. So I guess they don't need that really on ball guy. They just do want that three and D surrounding their their main creators, but. Uh, I just think head-to-head, looking at the trade, I thought they lost in talent. But maybe that's not always what you need sometimes. Yeah, I think they could be really good if healthy. Um, that's that's going to be interesting. But let's hop over the Lakers real quick and jump to the 76ers. James Harden taking a pay cut. Um, so I heard a theory that he took that pay cut because now that Michael Rubin is no longer affiliated with them, he can just pay James Harden whatever he wants. Uh, in a deal. So I don't know if that's true. I've heard that. I've, I've heard that from possible uh, online sources. That would be interesting. It's, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, James Harden's such a good guy. Nobody in their right mind is taking a pay cut of $15 million. I'm sure he's being taken I care of. When? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, the P.J. Tucker signing, I mean, he's going to bring grit to them. It's just like $11 million for a guy that old. It's like, yeah. They're going to be – him and – I just can't fathom, like, him and Tobias Harris in the same lineup. Yeah. It's like, what – like, 
Yeah, they're, they're literally the 2022 Philadelphia Rockets right now. They signed basically everybody from yeah. that. <laughs> and they interested in Eric Gordon. Yeah, like yeah, if, if they get Maury's just trying to move locations. He was like, let's let's get out of Houston. But I mean, like, I mean, think about it. You got you get, you're just building around Harden with shooters plus Embiid. Is it a yeah. terrible strategy? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But what do you guys think, real quick, before we wrap this up? Yeah, PJ Tucker. If it was one year, eleven million, I wouldn't hate it at all. But like the fact it's three, he's got to be what thirty two, thirty three. So like dude, he's, he's, he's thirty seven. He's old. Like, he's really <laughs> thirty seven. Yeah, that's criminal. Then they're gonna have to trade him in like two years with like a first round pick. That that that's my main problem. If it was he one might just year, retire, million, honestly. What? He might just retire. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, like like that's just that's just so it's giving him three years is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't hate it as much as other people. Although he's 37, he doesn't play like it. I mean, guy is like works the hard. He's like the hardest workhorse on any single game he, he suits up in. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's not great that his age and his guaranteed 33 million over three years. But I don't know. I, I, I really value PJ Tucker. Every time I watch him, he guards the opponent opponent's best player, makes big time plays in the playoffs, loose balls, steals. I, I think he, he makes a lot of winning plays. And for a team that's looking to win now and do things in the playoffs, those are the players that you want to throw out there, not Danny Green and George's Niang. So that's just that's just my opinion. And uh, and and hopefully I think to keep an eye on is uh, with this Harden deal, and he, and he took a little bit of a pay cut, I bet they move when some teams get desperate midseason. I bet they move Tobias Harris, that big contract, alongside a little bit of Harden's pay cut. And I, try to, I think they try to really get a big-name wing player. And I know Daryl Moore is not afraid to make a, a big move. So I think we should all watch out for that. All right. So let's talk about the Blazers who gave the most money ever for a single year to Damian Lillard, $60 million a year for two years, $120 million. That's where we'll start, guys. What do you think about that extension? I mean, it's just something you got to do. He's, he's Even though he had a pretty down year, win healthy, he's still probably a top 10 player. Uh, if you're Lillard, like why are you, it's an extension. It's kind of weird. Why are you like locking in, in like 2026? If like, he, I guess he's just loyal. He'll probably never win a ring as a result, but I guess he'll uh, on his career, he'll be remembered as loyal. I guess that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was already locked in for three years and they just tagged on that extra two for 60, um, 60 each. Um, which I didn't really think was like necessary. If you're already locked in for three, like, what do you like? What's gonna like? You don't know the landscape of today's NBA in three years. That's way down the line. So attacking on another two was, I guess, just a, yeah, a sign of loyalty and a sign of, I guess, I'm never gonna ask for a trade. Um, which I guess both sides maybe are under that under that understanding. But um, I think it was a lot. But you know, he he is the face of the city, and 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 I respect it. Yeah, they also. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, they got Jeremy Grant from Detroit. They gave him money, and they also paid Gary Payton the second, which I thought was also maybe a little bit of an overpay, but he showed that he can be a good piece on a playoff team, on a championship team. So I think that was a nice little pickup. But what do you guys think so far about their all their whole offseason, you know, overview? Yeah, Jeremiah Grant was never going to never gonna be, like, the number one or number two on, like, a legit playoff team. Like, that's why, like, he was number one in Detroit. They were brutal. But, like, can he be a three or four on, like, a pretty good playoff team? I think definitely. And I think he kind of fits in pretty well with Portland. And I think it's going to – yeah, I think, I think that was a really good move for them, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think, uh, and and also I think we're we're kind of skipping over here that they brought back Simons um, after a breakout year with a steep four Mask. for four for a hundred million, which is kind of what Brunson got, who I think was a more proven player. But but Simons did take a leap. He's the backcourt mate for uh, Dame. Yep. Um, I think with Simons, who's a good athlete, Peyton, who's a great athlete, and Grant, who are all great athletes, I think gives Porter a, a nice facelift uh, with a lot more youth and athleticism, which I think they were lacking in, in, in previous years um, to surround Dame with, with some more, you know, athletes. So I, I think it's interesting. I kind of like this revamp um, now that they're locking into Dame, obviously, with the signing. So am I, am I uh, thinking they're going to do too much? No, but, but I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, I think they could be pretty good. I mean, they also have Josh Hart, who played very good last year for them. Do they have Joe Ingles? I believe they do. I think he's in, he signed with Milwaukee. I oh, believe. he did. Okay, I, his eyes did see his wife tweeted that on Twitter before Woj could get to it. She was big <laughs> on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just like they're kind of in the same spot, I feel, they were with the, the McCollum teams. You know, they had like Alfred Camino, uh, Mo Harkless running those wings. It's just like they're not good, but it's like, I don't really know if the Blazers do anything with this team. It's it's nice to see Dan, you know, not running from the grind. He wants to stay there. They're trying to build around them, but I don't know. They're they're probably bottom tier West playoffs for me. I'd say maybe yeah. five seed. Four I think seed. they're I think they're planes honestly. Oh, yeah, they, I think yeah, they're. they might be, but we'll see. Um, let's talk about the rumors that came out last night from Shams real quick. Donovan Mitchell possibly being linked to the Knicks. The, Nug, uh, the Jazz, and the Knicks talking. So I have a pretty firm stance on this. I think that the Knicks should 100% be in on this for the right package. And when I say the right package, should they be trading Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Fournier, yes. Rose, and First? I don't know. That's where I kind of draw the line. I think obviously the deal – Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin untouchable. What are we doing? He played pretty good at the end of last year, and I'm like the most anti-Obi guy. But Really? I, for First off, you're going to need to attach Fournier and probably Rose to, um, to, that, con- to that deal to yeah. match the contracts. Unless for some reason the Jazz take Randall, which would make no sense to me. Um, so it's, you're kind of looking at Fournier, Rose, Quentin Grimes, and do you take Emmanuel quickly too if you're the Knicks? They don't want to trade RJ, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't trade RJ either. No, you can't trade yeah, RJ's no, definitely not. But I do you guys agree that this is a trade that the Knicks should be in on for the right price? Yeah, I think or getting not. Donovan Mitchell wouldn't make them a title contender by any point. Like it would keep them relevant enough where like maybe they would have a shot at a legit free agent or something. Like 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 Donovan Mitchell could be the setup for like getting another yeah, star. I agree. With Donovan Mitchell, they're, they're, it'll move the needle into them being like a playing team, like maybe like a six seed. But like it's it's just keeping them relevant and kind of keeping them in the game. So I would trade literally everybody besides RJ. You got him. Yeah. Maybe uh, Mitchell Robinson, not Mitchell Robinson too. Yeah, I, I think they should definitely be on. With the package that you started naming, Ethan, I would send it out with my eyes closed. <laughs> I, I think Mitchell's a great player. Uh, you, I mean, if you're starting lineup, your, your, front, your point guard, shooting guard, and small forward are Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, and RJ. I mean, that's pretty damn good in my opinion. The floor is going to be way more spaced. Randall's not going to be the center of attention at all. Um, and I, I think you do that 100%. I think it would make them very, very good with the back, with that backcourt with R.J. Barrett, uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I think you do it. And I think the Knicks are, as, as, as the biggest thing is, they're just desperate for relevancy. Desperate yeah. to be pretty good. I mean, they're willing to sign, you know, Julius Randle to a five-year max contract after getting, like, losing in the first round in five games to Atlanta. So talk about being desperate for, to be relevant. I say you go all in for, for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I, that backcourt defensively would be a little shaky, I think, with Brunson and, and Mitchell. I don't really know if defense they really care about. I feel I didn't I'm not the biggest Donovan Mitchell guy, but his career, he's 24, 4 and 5 yeah. on 44, 36, 83 splits. And like, like walked in averaging that. Like he will Yeah, like he's done that his like whole career. Like he's very a very good. He's a star. Yeah. I mean, you get Donovan Mitchell, you're you're getting a star. We saw what he did in that bubble series against the Nuggets. He was dropping, I think, 40, 50, whatever he wanted. So I think this is a move the Knicks need to make. They should definitely try and keep some of the young players just so they have, like, some, you know, hope. But Upside, yeah. that's, that's a start that they need to get. Let's hop into some signings that we thought were a little under the radar. Ben, I know you want to talk about slow-mo to start us off. Yeah, uh, my under-the-radar signing of this uh, free agency. little shout-out, my, my other pick was Joe Ingles to Milwaukee. I think he's a great player. He's coming off an ACL tear, a little bit older, but still love that fit. But my main one is Kyle Anderson. Um, although his stats may not uh, be very impressive, he averaged like seven points, five rebounds, three assists. Um, I think he was on a very talent, talent-wise loaded Memphis team that was almost had like two starting lineups with how good their bench was. Um, who are like be able able to create and all that stuff. So, but I think when slow mo gets the ball, he has great pace to his game. Obviously, because he's not going to be moving very fast. Uh, he doesn't really take bad shots. Um, he takes advantage of mismatches very well. He's got a good feel for the game. Uh, he can pass. Um, so I think this is kind of the type of player that Minnesota needed. Um, they got these big. Pl- these got these big men. They didn't really have any wing depth off the bench because uh, they traded away Jared Vanderbilt and. Uh, you know, they kind of just have like Bryn Forbes and a couple other players as their guards off the bench. But um, I definitely think this is someone that could control pace, ensure good possessions, um, and get guys open shots on, uh, with this team. I, I really like the fit. Yeah, we respect Sloma. That's a Jersey legend right there. Yeah, uh, Mike, do you want to hop into your under-the-radar signing real quick? Yeah, I actually got two, and they're very low-risk, high-reward one-year deals. First off, TJ Warren heading to the Nets. We haven't seen him in like two years, but the last time we did see him fully healthy, he averaged like 20 points a game on like 50% effective field goal percentage. And while the injuries are definitely concerning, literally has played four games in the past two years. He's only 28, which kind of shocked me. Like he's not, it's not like he's like 32 coming off these injuries and like his body's toast. Like he, for a Nets team that like, they may blow it up in terms of trading Kyrie and Katie, but like, they still have to be good because the Rockets have all their picks. Like, he could be a pretty efficient scorer and kind of keep them afloat, like him and Cam Thomas. And my next one, Ben's going to like it, the, the Thomas Bryant signing. Yeah. He's, he's been injured a lot, and he, he didn't get a ton of run in Washington with, like, Hachimura and Porzingis and yeah, Denny, Denny, yeah, like, all that. But, like, last – the previous year, he was, like, 13 or 14 points on, like, again, effective, like, efficient shooting. So, like, he's only one year. I think he's a little bit, like, the minimum, like, maybe $2 million. So, if he can come in and be a good seventh man for the Lakers, literally give you, like, nine points and, like, five rebounds in, like, 18 minutes, like, that's going to be a very good signing for them because, as Ben says, like, their depth this year was horrendous. And, like, so, so getting, like, a good young guy like that can help him out a lot. Yeah, um, that's a great, great pick, Mike. Um, 
my under the radar signing is Dante DiVincenzo to Golden State. This is another low risk, high award signing, and it's just another move that the Warriors make. And you're like, that makes sense. What a great organization they have. Bob Myers knows what he's doing at GM. He went in that three team deal, I believe, with Marvin Bagley heading to Detroit, and then I think Milwaukee got back Serge Ibaka, who just never yeah, played whatsoever. Good. And he kind of fizzled out in Sacramento. Dante did. But this is a, only a, a two-year, you know, $9.1 million deal. So for getting him for $4.5 million, it's a guy that shoots around, you know, 34 35% from three, can jump. He's athletic, and he rebounds really well for the guard position. Um, he averages anywhere from, you know, 4.5 to six rebounds a season. So it's just another sign, and he's going to kind of, I guess, fill in that Gary Payton role, kind of being like clean up the dirty work, shoot the three occasionally, just run the floor, catch lobs. So – it's just another move that the Warriors make, and you're like, wow, they just know that. That's why they, they have a chance to go back-to-back, back and that's why they're the dynasty they are right now. But Yeah, players like that just flourish with Golden State. I, I agree with that uh, pick, Ethan. I think um, he's an underrated defender in Milwaukee. He's a great perimeter defender. He'll, he'll play the Gary Payton role, as you said. And, uh, you know, I put in a player like that who's kind of a – role guy in a Sacramento type, you know, environment, they, they fizzle out. They, yeah. they, you know, you're not doing, he was good there. on Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you, when you, when you surround players like that, grit players who, who can slide in and do little intangibles with a bunch of stars and a great organization, then their skills flourish. And I, and I think that'll, that'll probably happen for him in Golden State. For sure. So before we head out for the, the day and we end the first episode of the backcourt boys, we're going to do something a new segment here um, called the spin wheel. So we'll get into that soon. All right. So hopping into our segment, it's just a simple wheel. Um, and to preface this, this is off the cuff, whatever it lands on, we're going to give a couple, you know, takes about uh, share our opinions. So let's see. First wheel ever. And it looks like we're going to get our favorite Jersey today in the NBA. Oh my God. That's a tough one. Um, so I'm trying to think real quick. I really like the Raptors OVO jersey. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like their black and gold Drake, you know, OVO got a rep for the six God. I think that's a very, when they do that whole night, you know, OVO, um, and they, they, they make the floor like that black and gold color too. And you just see Van Vliet, you know, crossing people up and, and you know, shooting his, his high arc in three. There's not much like that in the NBA. You know, you got a rep for, for Toronto, got a rep for the six gods. So that's what I'm going to go with. I like I'll, that. I'll go with I'm, – I'm looking at the jerseys right now. It used to be the when Miami had their first South Beaches, those were so – It's kind of a little too out of control now. Yeah. I like the Spurs, like, throwback jerseys. Like the with the old logo and stuff, like the like the color scheme. Okay. I, I, I like those. It's like no offense, like the Spurs normally like just the black, gray, yeah. and white. It's yeah. boring as fuck. Like they, they changed the logo <laughs> to make it like really it just is like so the fact they added some like spice to it, I liked yep. it a lot. Yeah. Right. Did you wait, did you see on Twitter that they're uh they're bringing back the like George George Gervin uh, really? style, style jerseys? I yeah, can't good. like really describe them, but like you can look them up. They're That's pretty good. sweet. But um, I'd say my favorite is not really super flashy, but I think they're just super clean. Is the uh, the Grizzlies City Edition jerseys that have the yellow trim? I don't know yeah. if we can really, uh, we you know I can really show those, but uh, I don't know. I think just the with the new 
the new swag, the new style from Memphis out of their core with, with that jersey, I think is a really clean look. I, I definitely like that. I was thinking about getting uh, my last jersey order. I was thinking about getting my first NBA jersey in a while. And I was very close to getting the, the Memphis City Jaw jersey. But yeah, that'd be tough. You I went, that I went, I went with the King first. My second order might be that. But I went, I went with King James with the first order. As you should. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so that kind of concludes our first episode of the Backcourt Boys. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. This great talking great. to you, this boys, for, you know, for some hour change. Uh, please like, subscribe, comment. We're going to create a YouTube channel. Uh, put this there. Clip up some, some clips and, and hot takes, and, and we'll see you guys whenever we hop on next. Yep. Yeah, things are looking up. Thanks, thanks for uh, watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.